morning, everybody. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. Welcome to Christ the King. Glad that you're here. Yesterday afternoon, in the late, almost early evening, wisdom whispered to Braden Cole Fishbook and said, if you don't put a ring on Olivia Sean's finger, you're crazy. So my kid, my oldest son, got engaged yesterday to Olivia, and... uh, And they're sitting right up here in the corner. They're the ones with the glow coming off of them, <laughs> off in your direction. So we love you, Livy. We're so glad to have you. Uh, uh, she's blessing our family with her presence, and we're deeply glad about that. I'm glad that Braden listened to Wisdom yesterday. We've been talking about this series called Wisdom. Pastor Jim Scobie left a mark on my life that will never be erased because Jim, years ago, took a huge risk on an inexperienced, green, arrogant youth pastor and hired him to work with high school and middle school kids at Emmanuel Evangelical Free Church in Steinbach, Manitoba. We were there for about six years. And when I was getting ready to transition from there to actually come to the Pacific Northwest, because God called us here, somebody asked us at our farewell what I was going to miss the most about Emmanuel Evangelical Free Church. And I think my answer surprised them. I said, what I'm going to miss the most is the chair across from Jim's desk. Because I spent hours just sitting in that chair, soaking in Jim's wisdom because he had been a pastor for a long time. In that chair, Jim gave me wisdom on how to handle difficult situations. Our very first activity as a youth group, we did something called the Great Evangelical Free Bank Robbery. Why it had to do with crime, I have no idea. But we were in a brand new church building. They were going to dedicate the building the next morning. We hosted a wide game with our high school kids and we broke the church. We broke the building, like kids fell into walls, broke holes in the building. And Jim had to coach me on how to not give our building director a complete heart attack and how to save my job. He's like, Grant, this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to own this particular uh, error that you somehow stumbled yourself into. In that chair, Jim coached me on how to handle a group of parents who were very upset with me because I decided to have a paintball war with the evangelical Mennonite church on the other side of the town. And Jim invited me to come and sit in that chair and say, he was a little Scottish pastor, by the way. He he said, Grant, here's what you need to know. You need to know that that most of the people in Steinbach area have a Mennonite heritage. And because they have a Mennonite heritage, they're Anabaptist, which means they hold a value of pacifism. Which means when you declare war on another church, it's not going to go well for you, my son. (laughs) And Jim coached me on how to build some bridges again with some people that I had very ignorantly alienated with my passion. Jim lovingly instructed me as I made a team from a switch from team legalism to team grace. Jim lovingly, quietly molded my heart to a place where, where when, if I ever have an opportunity to share wisdom with anybody at any time, there's this innate thing inside of me. I just, a, a Scottish accent just kicks in and I can't, even, I can't even stop myself because of all of the times when Jim would come down the hallway, knock on my door and say, hey Grant, why don't you come and pull up a chair? Because <laughs> it was a moment to learn. So today, 22 chapters into the book of Proverbs, if you're doing the Proverbs challenge, the teacher is going to invite us to do the same. He's going to come to us and say, Christ the King, did you pull up a chair? We're going to learn together. 
The Bible says this in verse 17 of Proverbs 22, pay attention, turn your ear to the sayings of the wise, apply your heart to what I teach, for it's pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have them ready on your lips, so that your trust may be in the Lord. I teach you today, even you. Have I not written 30 sayings to you, sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you to be honest and speak the truth? So that you can bring back truthful reports to those that you serve. So the teacher of Proverbs starts snapping his finger saying, okay, kids, listen up. This stuff is unbelievably important. Turn off the distractions, push everything out of your mind, and come together and let's learn what God has to say to us today. I think that's worth saying, right? Wisdom has the ability to transform us if we're willing to apply it. We actually have an opportunity to be transformed today if we're willing to take the Word of God and not just be merely hearers of the Word, but actually act on it. If you remember back to week one of the series, we defined godly wisdom as this. It was God's principles applied, okay? If God's wisdom is not applied, it just becomes words on really cool wall art that we put up in our offices and we put up in our homes, And they're just words unless we actually take them as our own and press them out into the world that we live in. That's why the teacher of Proverbs keeps saying, pay attention, turn your ears to the sayings of the wise, apply your heart to what it is we're going to learn today. You know, and I find myself saying this a lot these days. I I say these words, good to know. That's good to know. And Proverbs would say, that's not good enough. It's not good enough to just acknowledge that this is good stuff and it's really nice to, to, to hang on your wall. No, the teacher of, of Proverbs is saying, you need to move beyond good to know and turn it into, that's good to do. It's beneficial. I need to apply this. I put the word transform in your outline there. And I'm going to take you back to the beginning of Proverbs chapter 1 because it reinforces the goal of everything we're going to learn today. The Bible says this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Some of your translations say wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the teacher here, he wants wisdom to transform our walk in the world. Verse 18, he says this, for it's pleasing when you have them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips. So he's saying, you need to have it here, but at some point it's got to bubble out of here, out of your mouth gate. Scripture reinforces this. It says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that means something for all of us. If your mouth is full of inappropriate humor, sexual innuendo, sarcasm and belittling statements, I hate to break it to you, but the Bible says that's more than just a mouth problem. That's coming from the depth of your soul. What comes trickling out of your lips is an indication of what's happening deep inside of you. That's a tough truth. And we can get this so wrong because Proverbs says we're supposed to have all of this wisdom in our heart and at some point it's supposed to come out of our mouth. Now there is a temptation here because the verbal people in the room, some of you are like, oh, this is good, finally. Finally, I'm going to get an opportunity to stand in front of an audience and bless them with my great wisdom. 
I'm just going to have this opportunity to, to be able to, to speak to people, and they're finally going to learn just how smart I am. Okay, slow down, Mr. Mouth, because the Bible actually has a lot of warnings about arrogance and pride, too. In the first 22 chapters of Proverbs, there are more than 75 Proverbs about the way you're supposed to use your mouth. That's a big deal. And as someone that has a mouth that's gotten him in a lot of trouble at different times, this stuff is personal. In fact, it's amazing. Most of these Proverbs warn us about the damage our mouth can do and actually encourages us not to speak more, but to speak less. Here's a principle from Proverbs 22 embodied in verse 18. Wisdom is embodied in the heart and spoken thoughtfully from the mouth. You know, the reality is this, you can speak wisdom all you want to, but if you don't live by the creed that's coming out of your mouth, it's completely worthless. You can have lots of truth, but if you are screaming it at people, it's probably just going to get lost in the noise of all the other screaming that we hear in our world these days. Listen to just a couple of pieces of wisdom about your tongue, okay? Proverbs twenty-two eleven: he who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. Proverbs chapter 10, when words are many, this one's tough, when words are many, sin is not absent. Ooh. But he who holds his tongue is wise. The teacher of the Proverbs is teaching us this. Are you ready for it? Deep, profound, spiritual thought. Shh. That's what he's saying. Or as Charlie Middlebrook, one of my mentors, once said, Grant, never miss a glorious opportunity to just shut up. Good stuff. Every word you speak and every word that you type is subject to the wisdom of Scripture if you claim to be the follower of Jesus. So that means this, none of us as followers of Christ get to take an exemption on any of this. So I've got a question for you. Look back over the last seven days. Is your speech gracious? Is your voice kind? I mean, just go back, over your, go back over your verbal or social interactions over the last week. Was every single one of them gracious? Pastor Jim used to share this truth with our team. He would always say this, in every word that's spoken, and in brackets I put or typed, because that's how we communicate these days, in every word if spoken or typed, have you considered the truth, the timing, the tone, and the temperature of your heart? Before a word even comes out of your mouth, have you considered the truth of what you're going to say, the timing to know whether or not it's actually God's timing, the tone of what's actually coming out of you, and the temperature of your heart? Because there are times if the temperature is hot, we shouldn't be saying anything. Now, I'm going to say this as lovingly as I possibly can, okay? Because I'm going to try and practice what I'm preaching right now. Every four years, I watched loving, caring followers of Jesus lose their minds, they lose their minds, they lose their hearts, and somewhere along the line, they lose their Bible because I watch interactions between godly people just go completely out the window because this little P word shows up every four years, politics, and everybody just goes crazy. They go nuts. Suddenly, they start thinking, everything the Bible has to say about my mouth is suddenly invalid. Why? Because it's almost November. So I get to say whatever I want to whoever I want. I get to wound my brothers and sisters. I just get to jump on Facebook and start pounding out messages all in capital letters. 
The Bible never goes away. Tempers flare, sides are drawn, people start judging, and wisdom about simple behavior goes out the window. So before you say anything, for the next four or five months, <laughs> before you say anything, I got a question. Are you speaking truth? And if so, is it God's truth or your truth? Before you speak, is the timing right? Have you even asked God if the timing is right? Are you just assuming every time is a good time to show my opinion to everybody? Is your tone reflective of God's heart for that person? Because I want to remind you of something. Even if you hold disdain in your heart towards a certain public figure's position, that person still had a soul that was worth Jesus dying for. Uh, can I get a few more amens than that? We just seem to forget, well, if they're a public figure, all bets are off. Says who? Says who? What's the temperature of your heart? Before you say anything, are you angry? Then wisdom says you need to wait. Is it your heart speaking or is it your temper? Proverbs talks about that too. In fact, every time it talks about the tongue, it talks about people's temper. When it comes to temper, here's what scripture says. Proverbs 22 verse 24. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you might learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. That's a tough one. If you've got a temper, if you lash out, if you get angry and start typing your fingers through your keyboard, the Bible's actually warning people to stay away from you because you're dangerous. And if you don't know if you're dangerous or not, ask your friends. They'll tell you. It's like, do I seem angry? Yes, all the time. Ah. You said, Grant, then what's the answer? My Bible says a soft answer turns away anger. That's a proverb, by the way. My Bible says a word aptly spoken, which means it's the right time and the right tone and the right temperature. It says a word aptly spoken is like an apple of gold in settings of silver. It's a treasure when it's done at the right time with God's wisdom and God's heart. Let's keep going. Verse 19 says this, so that your trust may be in the Lord, I teach you today, even you. That's just good Bible. That little line right there, you could do a whole series on that. So that your trust may be in the Lord. I mean, wisdom knows this. Wisdom knows only God can be fully trusted. Only God. So I'm just going to lay it out there. Don't put your trust in preachers. It's just not wise. Don't put your trust in policy. Don't put your trust in man-made anything. Don't put your trust in public figures. And most certainly, we know this to be true, even though we don't want to say it. Don't put your trust in you. If somebody who's done that, that does not go well for anybody. Now, let's be honest. Can preachers help? Well, hopefully. Hopefully. Otherwise, I'm not sure why you're here or why I'm here either. Are policies beneficial? They can be if they represent godly principles. Are man-made systems helpful? Well, they can be if they've been crafted with good godly wisdom. Are public servants worthy of honor? Absolutely, if they represent the heart of God. But wisdom keeps saying over and over and over again, before you trust anything, start by trusting God and God alone. That's where it starts. 
There's a famous proverb about trust. If you're an Awana person, you know this verse. You learned it. You know, and it goes something like this. Trust in yourself with all of your heart and do whatever seems right to you. In all your ways, do whatever you want and it will work out fine. Does that sound like good Bible to anybody in the room? People are like, what did you just say? By the way, the verse goes this way. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That means put your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. And lean not on your own understanding, because we all know this, right? Our brain will lead us down the wrong path. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. Some of your translations is stronger. In all of your ways, you submit to Him, which means His rules go no matter what season of life it happens to be. And He will make your path, what? Straight. Got a question for you, church. Who are you trusting about your future? Are you trusting a human leader? Or are you trusting a God who, my Bible says, appoints and deposes kings at his whim? Who are you going to trust more? You know, my Bible also says that even if I may have a philosophical disagreement with that leader, I'm supposed to pray for them because that's good for me and it's good for them as well. The teacher says this, two more verses to go. Have I not written 30 sayings to you, sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you to be honest and speak the truth so that you can bring back truthful reports to those that you serve? Here is something that's so worth saying. Wisdom always reflects honesty or truth and honesty. It always reflects truth and honesty. If it's not true and honest, it's not wisdom and it most certainly didn't come from God. Maybe you've heard this phrase before. God helps those who help themselves. Hate to break it to you, that's not true. Actually, wisdom says God helps those who can't help themselves and are simply wise enough to declare that only God is strong enough to help any of us. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, think about this saying. You've probably heard it before. God will never give you more than you can handle. That's not true. That's not in your Bible. The Bible says He won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. That's completely different. Wisdom says God often gives us more than we can handle so that we are constantly in need of His strength and don't fool ourselves into thinking that we can actually do this on our own. That's true and that's honest. So wisdom always embodies truth. Listen to this verse. An honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace, underline those next two words, those who promote peace have joy. That's just so good, isn't it? That's wisdom. That's true. An honest witness tells the truth, which means this. If you claim to be a witness of Jesus, you have to ask yourself the question, does your life tell the truth of his saving grace or is it all just a lie? The Bible says the tongue of the wise brings healing. Do your words bring healing into every situation that you walk into or is your mouth like a late night knife infomercial? It slices, it dices, it juliennes. I mean, it just cuts stuff up like crazy. It's hard stuff, isn't it? 
You know what makes this hard? This is an easy message to make somebody else's problem. Because some of you are sitting here thinking right now, I know somebody with a mouth like that. Boy, I hope they're here. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, the people in my office, they need to hear this one. Boy, I really hope they're in the, I really hope they're in the room today. Some of you are thinking, the person sitting next to me, my spouse, they have an anger problem. Listen up, Pastor Grant's talking to you right now. Like, <laughs> careful now, careful now. <laughs> Free marriage counseling in the commons right afterwards. <laughs> Some of us hear this stuff, and boy, it's just so easy to assign to everybody else in the room. Some of you are going to react to this. I don't have a problem with my tongue. I'm not an angry person. <laughs> my reputation is stellar, and I'm so glad that Grant's preaching to everybody else in this room, because I've been transformed in all of these areas, and I just can't wait for an opportunity to stand up and share my wisdom so everybody can know how right I am. Wow. Some of us will scoff at this and say, this is just so elementary. Come on, Grant, when are you going to go deep with us? I'll tell you what, when we get this fully handled for the next five months, then we'll move on. When God's people start acting like God's people, then we'll move on. But in the meantime, I think we could all use a gentle reminder about this. Some of us will scoff at this stuff and say, this has nothing to do with me. Proverbs 13 and 11 would like to say something to you. He who scorns instruction will pay for it. But he who respects a command is rewarded. God says there's a reward here. If we're willing to live like Jesus, talk like Jesus, speak at the right time, at the right place, with the right tone and the right temperature and the right heart. God says if you want a hearing, follow my rules and I'll make sure that the reward is great. I will be honest with you, as a very verbal person, my mouth has gotten me in so much trouble. I know it's a surprise for you, right, you know? <laughs> it does. As a kid, all of my report cards, <laughs> Grant is excessively verbal. You know, thank you very much. Yeah, that's good. I can't look at this and take a pass. I wish I could. It'd be so easy. I wish I could. Years ago, a very wise man gave me a piece of paper. It used to be purple. Now it's kind of a rose color because I've worn it out. It's a folded piece of construction paper. And the reason it's so old and beat up and frayed and shredded is because of the number of times I've had to read it, hold it, cry over it, been convicted by it. I mean, it just beats me up every time I open it. And it embodies everything the wise teacher of wisdom is expressing to me today. Can't put this on anybody else. It's a poem. I'm not a big poetry person. Some of it seems so unbelievably cheesy. But this one gets me every single time. So I'm going to make you a promise. I will never preach anything to you that I've never preached to myself. And I have a list of regrets, just like you do, of conversations that I just so wish I would have stopped. That I would have had a different heart, a different tone, just a different everything. 
because I know it would have gone so different if I just would have listened to what God says. Grant, just be wise in your conversation. It says this, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one that would walk with me than merely tell the way. The eye's a better pupil, more willing than the ear. Find counsels confusing, but examples always clear. The best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds for to see good put in action. That's what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. The lecture you deliver may be wise and very true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. Because I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give. But there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. Do you know what our world is screaming for right now? People who have the wisdom to always be gracious in our conversation. They need our light. They need our love. And this is going to be tested over the next couple of months. And I just want to encourage you as people who claim to follow Jesus. Let's not default on His wisdom now when we need it more than ever. Because there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. The Bible says a word to the wise is sufficient. And I believe you're wise. So I think that's enough said. Would you pray with me this morning as we close? Lord Jesus, would you give us wisdom to know when to speak, when not to? Would you give us wisdom on how to keep our passion in check in the right, appropriate, and good ways? Father God, would you allow us to be shining examples of your wisdom when it comes to our tongue, our temper, and the transformation of our heart? God, this is simple, practical stuff. But apparently you knew that every single one of us at some level would struggle with this. So God, we bring our struggle to you and we simply say, God, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our friendships, even on our computers, God, would you help us to be godly and wise with our words. Father, we thank you that wisdom is there for us. I pray now that we would do more than just be merely hearers of the word but that we would be doers of the word. We give ourselves to that beautiful and rich task this week. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.